0: You're listening to the Touch 'em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and on today's episode, we have UFC Vegas 53 Font versus Vera preview, predictions, and analysis. In the main event of the evening in the Bantamweight division, you have the number five ranked Rob Font coming out of the New England cartel over there in Boston with a record of 19 victories and five defeats, going up against the number eight ranked streaking contender, Marlon. Chito Vera, who comes into this fight with a record of 18 victories, 7 defeats, and one no contest. So without any further ado, let's get this started and step into the ring. All right, all right. How is everybody doing? And I'm glad you're joining me for this UFC Vegas 53 preview predictions and analysis. Um, I'm pretty sure this is UFC Vegas 53 because it's at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada, just like last weekend's fights were. Um, let's just check. I don't want to, I don't want to make a mistake and say the, you know, the wrong thing. Um, yes, it is UFC Vegas 53. So this is a pretty good card. You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to break down every fight on the main card. Um, I'm not actually breaking down any prelims today. Normally I'll have one or two standout prelims in my opinion that I like to give my predictions and analysis on, um, during you know, for this card, there really wasn't anything that stood out to me. When it came to the prelims, um, I'm not saying that they were bad. I'm not saying that, you know, it wasn't a good card. It's just I, I don't know, like we'll we'll go through the prelims right now. I can pull it up um here, considering the fact that this my internet sometimes is a little shaky. Um, I mean, And Natan Levy and Mike Breeden in the lightweight division would probably be the one that I was going to break down because I know Natan Levy was on the Dana White's Tuesday night contender series, or he was supposed to be on the Tuesday night contender series. And there was a lot of hype behind him coming into the UFC, Mike Breeden. um, He had a fight in the UFC against, I think an up and coming prospect that ended up losing that fight. But other than that, I mean, the card's not the best. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you look at the main card, You've got uh, Jotko, Christoph Jotko versus GM3, Gerald Mearshart. That's a decent fight. You've got Elkins versus Tristan Connolly. I was going to break that down, but honestly, I didn't want to spend a whole lot of time going over that fight and watching the tape. I mean, you know what Darren Elkins is going to come through and try to do when he gets in that cage. And, you know, Tristan Connolly's a good fighter as well. He just, it didn't really impress me. Like, it didn't really make me want to go and watch the film on it and I don't want to half-ass a prediction just because it's listed on the card so you know there might be a six fight main card and maybe sometimes I'll only break down four like even for this the co-main event in the heavyweight division Collier versus Arlovsky I'm not predicting that fight if if I had to make a prediction you know right off the bat I would probably take the veteran and Arlovsky um, but I'm not going to break that fight down just because it doesn't do anything for me. And I don't think a lot of people who are going to listen to these predictions are going to go in here looking to listen to Arlovsky versus Collier. I mean, in my opinion, I think the co event should have been Andre Touchy Feely versus Yo Anderson Brito, but that's just my opinion. It's not the co-main event, but on this edition of the touch em up podcast and on these predictions, it's going to be the co-main event. And then when it comes to um, YouTube and stuff being uploaded, I just uploaded the uh, Ilya Taporia breakdown. That is on my YouTube channel. Same name as the podcast name. So go ahead and put that into your URL and put that into your search engine. And you can pull it up. Touch them up podcast on YouTube. We've been putting out videos like crazy. I think I've gotten seven videos done in the last two weeks. And we're going to have another one up with the highlights from the PFL to 2022 pre-fight media day. I'll probably have those uploaded tomorrow. At the latest. Yeah, definitely I'll have them up by tomorrow. So look out for those. And then the fights are going to be taking place tomorrow as well. So it's actually good timing for PFL too. Um, really good card there. Chris Wade. I, I think he's going to do big things in this upcoming season. I, I could definitely see him making it to the finals and making it to that championship. Just like he did against Movlid Haibulayev. I mean, you've got Kyle Bokniak. Oh, excuse me. You got Kyle Bakniak who had a crazy fight in the UFC, then went on a three-fight losing streak, then went over to CES MMA or MMA, I think it was MMA, and uh, put on a three-fight win streak. Most recently, his win was coming against, uh, ooh, who was the guy? I just watched the fight the other day before the media day. Uh, let's see. Uh, I can't. I'm not gonna pull it up, but if you listen to the pre-fight media day that I'll have uploaded, um, I did get to talk to Bokniak. I got to talk to Lance Palmer. I got to talk to Brendan Lochman. Always nice coming, or always nice talking to Brendan. Um, I really like him. I think that he's gonna do big things in this season as well. Um, my biggest standouts to watch for this season so far, like from what we've seen from the first two events and based off last year. You got to watch out for Chris Wade. You got to watch out for Brendan Lockton. You got to watch out for Kyle Bokniak and you got to watch out for Corey Hendricks. In my opinion, I mean, getting that win over um, Emiliano Sordi in that first event, it's crazy. And like you already know, I think Jeremy Stevens, I think he's going to do well in this season, season two. I know he lost the first fight to Clay Collard in a war, but I still expect him to do good things under the PFL organization. So there's a lot of people that you should definitely look out for and more than likely, on the following podcast after this, I will have a recap of PFL2. you got um Ryoji Kudo versus Brendan Lochnan. You've got Bubba Jenkins going up against Kyle Bachniak. You have Chris Wade going up against Lance Palmer. I mean, there's a lot of really, really solid fights on this card, and I can't wait to watch it tomorrow and then give you my recap and thoughts on it. Um, I'll probably try to get on the post-fight presser, but... No promises. I mean, because I tried last time and they had to cut the post-fight presser short for the virtual media day. So we'll see where it goes. But without any further ado, I mean, let's jump into what we came here to do to begin with. And we're going to start off on the main card in the middleweight division between Christoph Jatko, who comes into this fight with a record of 23 victories and five defeats, going up against Gerald GM3 Mearshart, who comes into this fight with a record of 34 wins and 14 losses. Um, Here's the deal. GM 3 is like the king of the underdogs. I mean, he's always heavily, 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 you know, underestimated. Always counted out. Even the fight with Mahmoud Muradov, huge underdog. I think Muradov was like a minus 540. He was a, a guy who trained under Floyd Mayweather and the money team. He was one of the only, I think the only MMA fighter under the TMT brand, the money team. He was the only one. They had big hopes for him. He had great hands, great boxing, very long-rangey contender in that middleweight division. Crazy power. I mean, he was landing heavy shots on Mearshart. He was hurting him multiple times, but Mearshart was able to push forward. Tire out Muradov, started landing his own straight left hand. He was getting to the outside, cutting that angle, landing the one-two, landing the straight left down the middle, pushing forward, trying to tire out Muradov, getting him up against the cage, landing some knees uh, knees to the body, working the ground and pound, took the back at the end of the first round, almost got him out of there with the submission, but Muradov was able to survive. The second round again got hurt, but he pushed forward, landed the straight left, landed some high kicks. I believe he landed a left high kick. Pushed Miradov down, got his back, and got the rear naked choke against Dustin Stolzfus, who's a decorated Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Comes in there and I believe got a submission via rear naked choke in that fight as well. I'm going to pull that up really quick. So I make sure that I'm not messing the finish up. Let's see. Yeah, a third-round submission, 2 minutes, 58 seconds. I believe it was another rear naked choke. So GM3 is a guy who, you know, he's not the cleanest. He he has been knocked out before. He has been hurt. He has been stopped. His chin is not the best. But, you know, in that fight against Muradov, it showed that he could still take a shot. You know, he could still take a shot. He could still keep, you know, moving forward, keep pushing forward. And he's not an easy guy to get out of there, but he's always counted out. When it comes to a guy like Christoph Jocko, you know Jocko has had some wins, had some losses, but his record overall is great, 23 victories, 5 defeats. He had a loss to Uriah Hall. Most recently, I believe was a loss to Sean Strickland. Let me pull that up. Jocko Probably should have had this up prior, but it's all right. We're still getting it done. Uh, here we go. Jocko. So in 2019, he defeated Marc-Andre Berriol. That was at the end of the year. I don't know why I went back that far. Uh, he was supposed to fight Mahmoud Moradov at uh, UFC Fight Night Ortega versus the Korean Zombie on October 17, 2020. Before that, he had a decision victory over Eric Anders, dominated that fight. Walked through them. They were originally supposed to fight at UFC Fight Night 172 on April 11th, but it got pushed back about a month. That was one of the first events that the UFC did in the beginning of COVID after they took that month break. Going into 2021, he lost the decision to Sean Strickland, and then he came back and got a decision victory over Misha Serkinov, so he's currently on a one-fight win streak. He lost to Sean Strickland, but in that fight he looked very good. I think that Jotko is a volume striker. He's not necessarily pity pad. I don't think it's like touch, touch, touch. But he is a kind of a touch and go fighter. When you look at a guy like Jotko, southpaw looking to get the outside foot on the orthodox fighter, land the straight left, come over the top with the overhand left. Good jabs from the southpaw stance. Sometimes he will. Jab, step in, land an upward elbow. He did that against Sean Strickland. It landed a few times during their fight. He is very tricky. He uses a lot of fakes and feints. But sometimes he gets caught kind of standing on the outside, staring in the mirror, not really looking to push push the pace and get a finish. He's more of a decision fighter. And when you look at a guy like Gerald Mearshart, his best weapon, his striking is improving. You saw it against Muradov. He was able to catch him multiple times as he was getting tired with the straight left hand with the right hook, with the one-two, you know, briefly step off on an angle as Muradov was circling away, getting tired, and land the straight shot down the middle. He can do that. That is where Gerald Mearshart has improved. You saw him get knocked out with one punch from Hamzat Shemaev. You know, it is what it is there. And then submitting a guy in Dustin Stoltzfus, who hasn't had a great career in the UFC, but is known as a decorated Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist, Mearshart, a decorated Brazilian jiu-jitsu artist in himself, but if he gets you on the ground and takes your back, you know, you're in you're in trouble. It doesn't matter who you are. And I think that's what you have to look at with this fight is can Jotko stay on the outside, you know, use that jab, use the straight shots, straight left, right hook, overhand left, and hurt Mirshart and just pick him apart for 15 minutes. I don't necessarily think Jotko is going to be the type of guy to get a finish if he does win this fight. I think it would most likely go to a decision, even though Mirshard's chin has been tested. He has been knocked out. He has been dropped before. But um, I just don't really see Jotko having the firepower to knock him out because when Mirshard does get finished, it's normally by these guys with huge power. And I'm telling you, Muradov hurt him. He hurt him multiple times, wobbled him, but he didn't get him out of there. And if Mahmoud Muradov can't get him out of there, I don't necessarily see Gerald Mearshart being able to do it, unless it was with that left body kick. But going off the fact that they're both southpaws, I think um, that's going to be a little bit of an issue. I think that, you know, I think Mearshart is going to have a little bit of trouble landing that body kick when it comes to throwing it in a round kick style. I think more than likely he would go up the middle with the front kick or try to stick to a switch kick to the body of Jotko, who's a long rangy guy. But if you look at Jotko's record, we'll go back to 2017. I don't want to go all the way back, but he got knocked out by Uriah Hall. I mean, decision, lost to uh, David Branch. We'll go back to 2018. He got knocked out by Brad Tavares. So knocked out by Uriah Hall, knocked out by Brad Tavares. Um, a decision victory over Andre Burial. A decision victory over Alan Amadovsky. A decision victory over Eric Anders. A That fight was canceled. And then a decision loss to Sean Strickland. And then a decision victory over Serkinov. Jocko's not a finisher. He's a great, technical, smart fighter. He plays on the outside. He plays to his strength. Uses his length. Sticks the combinations in your face. You know, bop, 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 move. Bop, bop, move. Boom, boom, pop, pop, pop. move. That's what he does. Against Mearshart, that could work because, like I said, we have seen the chin of Mearshart get tested. We have seen it. But I, I think that Mearshart is going to be able to pull it off again here, man. I am not going to be surprised if Mearshart takes down Jotko, takes his back, and gets the submission. I also wouldn't be surprised if we see a 15-minute stand-up clinic where Jotko Point fights like he normally does and wins all three rounds, and it's 30-27. I mean, it could really go either way when you, you break down this fight. When you look at the fight odds for this, just based off money line, it is as follows. Uh, can we pull it up? Uh, okay, so Jotko is a minus 165 favorite. Mearshart comes back as a plus 145 underdog. Um, I think Mearshart on the money line is a decent bet, but this fight is pretty close. I just think that Mearshart is going to find a way to maybe have Jotko overextend on a shot, get into a body lock, use an outside or inside trip, take the back, and lock up a submission, or use his grappling to get a finish. Now, I said, Meershard has a brutal left body kick. We've seen him land it on orthodox fighters all the time. If Jotko switches even for a second to the orthodox stance, Mearshart is going to be looking to pound that left body kick into the liver of Jotko so look out for the left body kick the straight left the left high kick for Mearshart but I think the grappling as the fight goes on into the second and into the third that is where he's going to take over Mearshart is always looking to get a win he's always heavily counted out he's even counted out here albeit slightly with a plus 145 underdog but I am going to go with G- GM3 here I'm going with Gerald Mearshart I think he defeats Christoph Jotko via a third round rear naked choke submission I think he just finds a way man Mearshart is so good at finding a way to win. He's not the best fighter on the roster. He's always an underdog. He's always counted out. Most Sometimes they're right, but a lot of the times they're wrong. And I think the bookies are going to be wrong again here. I'm going to go with a third round rear naked choke submission for Gerald GM3. Mearshart over Christoph Jotko. All right. Now we move to the next fight up on the main card in the lightweight division. You have a Paul Felder training partner And uh, a brother basically to the Irish dragon, Paul Felder and Jared Flash Gordon coming into this fight with a record of 18 victories and four defeats going up against the, I would say his momentum has cooled off a bit, even though he, you know, hasn't lost in the UFC, but he's cooled off Grant KGD Dawson, who trains under head coach James Krause. He comes into this fight with a record of 17 victories, one loss and one draw. Um, The one draw was coming to Rick Glenn, which was in his most recent fight, Um, back and forth, but the first two rounds were clearly Grant Dawson's, just constant takedowns, constant top control, great ability to take the back and lock up the body triangle. He has a great body triangle, and it's very hard to get him off of you if he takes your back. He'll pound you with ground and pound from your back, you know, pity pat shots, look to set up submissions and control you. He's very good at, you know, finding an entry into those takedowns, whether it's an outside trip, whether it's a judo throw, you know, whether it's an inside or outside trip or shooting a double leg and then transitioning to an outside trip, working up to the body lock and tripping your legs, trying to take your back. Dawson is a great grappler. He's got good striking on the feet, but his bread and butter is the grappling. When it comes to Jared Flash Gordon, he's a great grappler in his own right. He defeated a huge prospect in the lightweight division who was on the come up in Joe Selecki. Selecki is a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think he's a brown belt. I don't think he's a black belt yet, but a great grappler in his own right. Um, You know, I believe he lost a decision to Jim Miller, if I'm not mistaken. I'll pull that up. Can we... Okay, no, so he defeated Jim Miller via decision. Okay. So I was so I'm I mean, I knew they fought, but for some reason I thought Miller pulled that one out. But Joe Selecki defeated Jim Miller via decision. Um good striking on the feet, but I believe if I remember that fight correctly, he was able to out-grapple, out position, and um, you know, put Jim Miller, put Jim Miller in the um, you know, bad positions. All right, let's get back to what we were saying. So we were talking about the Jim Miller, Joe Selecki fight. Selecki was able to get that win via decision. Going into the fight against Jared Gordon, you know, I think Selecki was heavily favored. I don't have the favor, the odds for that fight. I don't have them pulled up, but I believe Selecki was the favorite. A lot of people thought that Selecki was going to be able to out-grapple, out-control Jared Gordon. Use the slick striking on the feet, you know, the one, two, three, the combinations. Jab, cross, hook, front kick to the body, one, two, high kick. You know, he has good striking. He's known for his grappling, obviously, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Brown belt, I believe, like I said earlier, I'm not hundred percent sure if he's a black belt, but he's definitely up there in terms of his BJJ ranking, but he's great on the ground. And he was able to, he got out grappled by Jared Gordon. The longer the fight went, he was in the guard of Joe Selecki, landing ground and pound, staying in the guard, landing to the body, landing up top to the head, out positioning, outpacing, but a lot of the work was done from inside the guard. When you're going up against a Grant Dawson, I think that you know working from inside the guard, trying to land ground and pound, can work against a Grant Dawson in the later rounds. I think the first two rounds are going to be the most difficult for Jared Gordon. I think the striking on the feet, in my opinion, favors Grant Dawson. He's a lot looser, a lot cleaner on the feet. Then Gordon. I think Gordon has good power. His technique is pretty good when it comes to the striking, but he kind of winds up on a lot of his shots, and he's a little bit slow when he you know, throws out those shots. I think Dawson's length, his reach, um, the kicking game, I think all on the feet is going to be in favor of Dawson in the early rounds. When it gets to the middle of the second round, when it gets to the third round, that's where i think gordon can take over he's got good pace he's got good cardio great scrambling ability great ability to find the top position even if he doesn't get to half guard full guard or half guard side control or the full mount he'll work from inside your guard and stifle your game if you're trying to work from your, from your guard and ground and pound you i could see a late finish here from jared flash gordon i could definitely see it i i would not be surprised if that's how things went but i saw the grappling that Grant Dawson displayed in his fight against Derek Minner. I saw how he almost got defeated by Leonardo Santos, I believe, and then came back to pull it out and got the TKO victory. After he was losing the fight, he was able to keep it up and get that finish in the third round. He's been outpaced and out pressured before, but he always continues to push the pace. I mean, look at the fight against Rick Glenn, which was Grant Dawson's most recent fight. He won the first two rounds handily you know, getting, you know, ground and pound takedowns, working from the body triangle, great body triangle from Grant Dawson, throwing ground and pound, controlling from the top position, being able to float over as um, as Rick Glenn turned to his stomach. He was able to keep the body triangle. He was able to keep his position. He's very good at getting those takedowns, working the inside and outside trips, working from the half guard, trying to take your back, getting to the body triangle. He can flow a lot better than Jared Gordon. I think scrambles, the longer the fight goes and like I said, middle of the second, third round. That's where I think it could favor Jared Gordon, but I don't know if he's going to be able to get a lot of work done from the top position, unless it's in the third round. I could see this being another draw. Rick Glenn and Grant Dawson went to a draw because Dawson clearly won the first two rounds. The third round was all Rick Glenn out grappling, out wrestling, almost finishing him with the ground and pound. Just, you know, Dawson was exhausted, pushing that heavy grappling pace. I could see the potential of maybe Dawson wins the first two rounds. They're kind of close. Third round he gets tired, gets out grappled, gets outpaced and Gordon might win that third round. So maybe a draw isn't that bad when you look at betting. I mean, I'm sure odds for a draw are at least plus 1000. You know, so you never know. But if I got to make a pick here, it's it's actually kind of hard cuz in my opinion this is kind of like a 60-40 fight. I lean slightly towards Grant Dawson. I mean, 17-1-1 um, you know, Jared Gordon on the other side, coming back with a 18 and four record Dawson or I'm sorry, Jared Gordon did fight the current lightweight champion in Charles Oliveira, but he did lose that fight via KO. So you can't really look at much from that fight. I think that KGD Grant Dawson on the feet is going to be longer and rangier. I think the grappling is going to be close for the first two rounds, but I think he will outposition and um, ground and pound Jared Gordon for the first two rounds, out grapple, out position, hold him in positions, and I think Jared Gordon comes back and wins that third round decisively. So I'm going to go with a 29-28 split decision for Grant KGD Dawson. I think he just gets by because, like I said, I think the first two rounds will go to him. Maybe a close second round, but he still edges it out, and then the third is where Jared Gordon – will use that grappling, use that wrestling, use that great scrambling ability that he showcased, and ever so slight, I mean, just dominate the third round. I think it's going to be very similar to the Rick Glenn fight. Uh, If you haven't seen that fight, go back and watch Grant Dawson and Rick Glenn. It was Grant Dawson's last fight, actually. I think it could be very similar to that fight, but I'm going to lean on the side of the younger competitor with the 17-1-1 record and go with Grant KGD Dawson to defeat Jared Flash Gordon via 29-28 split decision. All right, up next. This is my co-main event. It's not the co-main event, but I'm not going to break down Arlovski versus Collier. I always, I already talked about that. But we have a fight in the featherweight division between Andre Touchy Feely, who comes into this fight with a record of. Give me one second because apparently I did not write his record down. So let me pull this up really quick. Andre Cuchy-Feely comes into this fight with a record of 21 victories, eight defeats, and one no contest. Going up against a UFC newcomer in Joe Anderson. I guess, I think his nickname is said first. So it's Tubarak, Joe Anderson, Brito, who comes into this fight with a record of 12 victories, three defeats, and one no contest. So 22 victories, or 21 victories, eight defeats, and one no contest. 30 fights on the side of Andre Feely. To 17 fights on the side or 16 fights on the side of Joe Anderson Brito. So almost double the professional mixed martial arts experience for the UFC veteran in Andre Touchy Feely. I think a lot of people thought when Feely was on the come up that he was going to be a contender. He was going to be a future champion at 145. I think a lot of people had high hopes for this man coming out of Team Alpha Male. He was like one of the first proteges out of the team alpha male gym. After Chad Mendez, after Uriah Faber, you know, after Danny Castillo, one of the main up-and-coming young guns was Andre Feely. And every time he gets a huge fight, you know, there's some that he looks great in. His last fight against Daniel Pineda, I think a lot of people picked Pineda in that fight. And, you know, touchy-feely looked great. He probably looked the best that we've ever seen him or one of the best performances he's ever had. But the fight ended due to an eye poke, and then they stopped the fight. And it really sucks for Andre Feely because he looked great. I mean, one, two, left, right, high kick, switch, southpaw, right hook, straight, left, left, high kick, because he fights primarily out of southpaw, so it would actually be reversed. One, two, left, high kick, switch, orthodox, one, two, or left hook, right hand, right high kick behind it, was hurting Pineda a lot, hurt him with the boxing, hurt him with the high kicks, he was really putting a clinic on Pineda in that fight at the end of the first round and into the second round, hurting him multiple times, his striking, his speed, everything looked on point, the eye poke though eventually led it to be a no contest, which like I said, it really sucks for touchy-feely there. But Joe Anderson Brito, he had a good fight on the Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series. This guy's a powerhouse. I mean, he's going to come in. He's going to look to push the pace, get in your face, and rough you up with high, you know, just bombs, throwing bombs on you, body kicks, high kicks, one-twos, wide hooks, overhands, uppercuts. He's just going to look to put the pace and pressure on you and try to knock you out. I think that Joe Anderson Brito, he can keep his cardio and pace and pressure in the second and in the third round. We saw that in the fight against Bill Elgio, El Senor Perfecto. I actually picked Brito to defeat uh, Bill Elgio. That didn't go his way. Elgio came back and got the unanimous decision. Just being able to outpace, outpressure, outland Brito the longer the fight went. He still kept his pace. He still came forward and had his power, you know, for the full 15 minutes, but the volume and his ability to really control the pace and pressure slowed as the fight went on going up against the UFC veteran and Andre Feeley who's fought. I mean, the best of the best fought Kelvin Cater fought super Sadiq Yusuf. I mean, there's so many guys. I think he fought Max Holloway back in the day. You know, Andre Feeley has fought the who's who in the featherweight division in the UFC. And he's been around for a very long time. Um, I think that the veteran experience of Andre Feely is really going to carry him here. I mean, you look at it, 16 fights compared to 30 for Feely. I think that Andre Feely is going to be able to land heavy shots. On Brito, but I think he's going to play a little bit of a stick and move game for the first round, round and a half, jab, one, two, inside and outside low kicks. He's got a beautiful left body kick from Southpaw. Primarily fights out of Southpaw, so he's going to be looking to get that outside foot on Yo Anderson Brito, who fights out of Orthodox. Get that right foot on the outside of the lead left leg. Of Brito, land the left body kick, land the left high kick, land the 1-2, land the left high kick, pull it back, hook cross, pull it back, 2-3, pull it back, 1-2, you know, pull back, bow and arrow style effect. He looked great in the fight against Pineda, and I know I've mentioned it a few times here, but it really does suck for Feely that he wasn't able to get that win there because he was on his way to putting on probably one of the best performances of his UFC career, and it got taken away from him due to that eye poke, accidental eye poke, and the fight just wasn't able to continue. I think Brito is going to give Feely a very tough first round. Like I said, he pushes the pace. He's got good jujitsu, good grappling, but he's a powerhouse. He's going to look to land bombs on you. You know, he's going to look to get you in the body lock, take you down, work ground and pound, rough you up with heavy, heavy shots on the feet and try to knock you out. That's what he's going to do. That's what Joe Anderson Brito is. He's a powerhouse. He's going to push forward and try to take your head off, try to get you to the ground, try to lock up a submission. But I think the veteran savvy, the fakes and feints of Andre Feely, the constant stance switches, switching to southpaw to land, the left body kick, switching orthodox, one, two, high kick, front kicks up the middle, jab, jab, circle, move off. I think that the veteran experience is really what's going to carry Andre Feely in this fight. And I expect him to get the win. I think he actually... Do I want to give him a finish? Because a lot of the times he wins by decision. Um, I'm going to go with a finish here, actually, for Andre Feely. It's probably not the smartest idea. A lot of people would probably pick him to win by decision. But I'm going to go with Andre Touchy Feely to defeat Joe Anderson Brito via a third round TKO. I think the volume, I think the pace of Andre Feely is really going to take over in that second and third round. I think he's going to land a sharp shot on the feet, land a high kick, land a 1-2 That beautiful, those beautiful shots from Southpaw put together a combination, drop Brito and get the finish. So, my pick officially is Andre Tucci Feely to defeat Tubarak Joe Anderson Brito via third round TKO. All right, and now we get to the main event of the evening in the UFC's Bantamweight division. You have the number five ranked Rob Font coming in after that. Five-round main event defeat to Jose Aldo Jr., former featherweight GOAT, former featherweight champion, and a guy who's on a tear right now at 135 pounds, aside from Piotr Jan, and that questionable decision loss to Marlon... Or, I'm not... Sorry, sorry, not Marlon Vera, to Marlon... Or Magic Marlon Moraes, who recently has retired from professional mixed martial arts competition. Font comes into this fight with a record of 19 victories and five defeats, going up against the number eight-ranked UFC and mixed martial arts veteran in Marlon Chito Vera, training under head coach Jason Perillo out at Ruka Training Center. He comes into this fight with a record of 18 victories, seven losses, seven defeats, and one no contest. Um, I'm very excited for this fight. I mean, it's clearly the best fight on the card, and I think that a lot of people, maybe there's some people who are just not even going to watch the main card, and they might just tune in to the main event. Rob Font versus Marlon Chito Vera, number five versus number eight, is kind of the perfect fight at this current point for both men. Font, like I said, he came off that loss to Jose Aldo. He looked good in the fight, but every time Aldo was able to put that one, two, or that three, two jab cross, hook cross on Rob Font, he was hurting him. He would lose the, the rounds based on volume, based on activity, based on pace and pressure. He would lose, but then he would come back and just land a big shot and hurt Rob Font. Every time those big shots were coming through for Jose Aldo and he was able to land him clean, he was stumbling Rob Font. He was rocking Rob Font. He dropped Rob Font. First round was clearly Rob Font right up until the end. Hook, cross, or I'm sorry, I think it was a one-two for the first drop. One, two down the middle, stumbled them, stanky legged them, and he ran ac- and he was falling all over the cage. You know, Aldo stole that round. They come back. Rob Font looks good again. Every time he was probably looking good in every single round, but Aldo was just a lot faster. I don't even know if it was the speed, to be honest, but his power was a lot bigger and a lot, you know, he, he just had a lot more power. Then font in the fight. And I think that's what showcased. That was show ugh, that was what was showcased. And then obviously in the fourth round or the fifth round, he hurt him again and you know was able to outgrapple him in the fifth to clearly get that decision. A lot of people had a 50-45 for Jose although Some people maybe 49, 46, a few 48, 47s, I think, but the damage and the the power was on the side of. Jose Aldo, but you can't sit there and say that Rob Font got dominated. You can't sit there and say he didn't have good moments. He was putting the the whooping on Aldo in the fourth and fifth round, you know, until he would land those shots and hurt him and drop him and rock them and then use the grappling to, you know, control him in that fifth round. But he was hurting him. He was pushing the pace. He was moving forward. Rob Font kept that forward pressure. He kept that forward movement. But sometimes you keep that forward pressure and you run into a veteran and a guy who's as quick and as slick as a Jose Aldo, sometimes you run into a brick wall, and that's what would happen. He would keep the pace, keep the pressure, constantly switch stances, you know, move laterally, move left and right, move in and out, landing the jab, going one, two. Switch southpaw with the right uppercut into the straight left and the right hook. 1-2, right uppercut, switch southpaw, straight left, right hook. 1-2, left body kick, switch back, orthodox, left hook, right hand. 1-1, one, one, cross to the body, hook up top, cross to the body. One two three right hook to the body. I mean, he can put the pace and pressure together. He can put the combinations together. Rob Font's biggest weapon in all of his fights is that jab. It's the jab. He's got one of the best jabs in MMA. I think the first time you really saw it showcased was against um, Magic Marlon Marais. When Marais was kind of on a tear, but he had just lost to Henry Cejudo. And then he had that questionable win via decision over, you know, Jose Aldo. But he came back and, you know... Just Rob Font ran right through Marlon. He got taken down. He got out grappled, almost got guillotined. But the minute they got back up, that jab was just working. It was money. Against Cody Garbrandt, the same story. A great jab, a great 1-2. 1-2, left hook. 1-2, right uppercut. Rob Font has a very good ability to manage the distance and time level changes or potentially a high guard, which will play into our breakdown of this fight with Marlon Vera. As they walk forward, he frames Measures the distance, steps back, and lands that rear uppercut. So you're walking in, maybe he's popping you with a jab. Maybe he pops you with a jab. Maybe he fakes it, goes left hook, jab. You step in, he pulls back, measures, boom, right uppercut up the middle. Against Ricky Simone, step in, right uppercut, left hook. Against Sergio Pettis, a lot of jab work. One, 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 two, one, two, one. One, two, one, one, rip to the body. Right hook, left hook. One, two, one, one, two, left hook to the body. Jab right straight to the body. The, the jab is going to set up everything for Rob Font in this fight. Now, Marlon Vera, he's coming off that knockout victory over Frankie Edgar in his last fight. I know a lot of people said that they thought that Frankie Edgar was going to get a decision. I think Frankie Edgar clearly won the first round. He was outboxing. Marlon Vera, the speed was too much for him. He got the takedown, controlled the top position, clearly won the first round. Second round, that's when Marlon Chito Vera started to take over, in my opinion. He was landing the front kicks to the body, landing the one-twos. He switched it up from a round kick, whether it was a low kick or a body kick, to a front kick because every time he threw that round kick, Frankie would time it and try to enter on a takedown, try to get a knee tap, try to get a double leg takedown, you know, try to enter into a body lock. He was getting the takedowns off the forward pressure and the kicks of Marlon Vera. As he kept going, he switched it up front kick to the body. Front kick to the body. Threw it up to the head. It didn't really work. Front kick to the body. Jab, jab. Jab got Frankie to step off to his left towards Marlon Vera's right. Boom. Front kick up the middle. Dropped him. And he got a second round. Or I'm sorry, a third round knockout victory slash TKO. Knocking out the former former lightweight champion, former bantamweight contender in former featherweight title challenger and former bantamweight contender in Frankie the Answer Edgar. Um, before that, he had a victory over Davy Grant via decision. They went back and forth. It was a war. I mean, Davy Grant is not the cleanest, sharpest striker, but he can definitely put his shots together. He hurt Marlon Vera at certain points, but the longer the fight went, the second, the third round, that's when Vera took over, especially with those elbows from inside the clinch over the long frames of Davey Grant, coming over the top with elbows, coming up the middle with like an upward elbow. Rob Font is very good with the elbows as well. I could, I think if it gets into a clinch between these two, it's going to be very interesting because Font can land elbows over the top. Font can land spinning elbows. He can land upward elbows. We've seen him do it. He did it against Cody Garbrandt. He landed some elbows against Jose Aldo in the fourth and fifth round of their fight. He trains out of the New England cartel, trains out of, you know, Hard Knocks Boston, over with uh, his head striking coach, Jake Manini. Rob Fon has been on my podcast before. Jake Manini's been on my podcast. Tyson Chartier's been on my podcast. I just got to talk to Kyle crash Bokniak who fights for the PFL tomorrow night. Um, I'm a big fan of all those guys out of New England, out of Boston, out of the New England cartel. I like all those guys over there. But I'm not going to let that you know change my pick. I think this is a close fight. I think when it comes to boxing, if we're really going off boxing, I think Rob Font is clearly the better boxer. When it comes to Marlon Vera, he throws his shots at an awkward angle. A lot of the times, he gives me a little bit of like a Wing Chun karate style, traditional martial arts style, when it comes to him throwing his punches. A lot of people will call it pushing your punches, where you're not getting full extension, but you're kind of just snapping them out there. I mean, you've seen a lot of the karate demos, where they hold their lead hand out, and then they pop They just pop the shot straight in, pop the shot straight in. That's what Marlon Vera does. He throws his punches, very short, very crisp, very clean, but he kind of just sneaks them in there and pushes them in there. Even the left hook, sometimes he'll throw a short right hand and then throw a wide left hook, but it comes at such an awkward angle that it almost looks like you're kind of hitting him with your shoulder because it's so short, and he kind of turns it over at the last minute. So it might be straight right, left hook, but he kind of pops it in with the shoulder, just pop, pop. He might be framing, just pop, pop, boom, boom and then he catches you. I think awkward angles can work decently well against a guy who has such crisp, such clean boxing, like a Rob Font, because Font does mix it up. He does change his stance. Um, he'll go, like I said, jab, right uppercut, right hook, into a left high kick. He used that against um, Cody Garbrandt a lot. He goes one, two, one, one, two to the body. Boom, 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 rip body. Boom, 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 rip to the body. Jab, jab, right uppercut, left hook. When he gets his combinations together, Font is one of the best boxers in the UFC and definitely one of the best boxers in that bantamweight division. Um, I think clinch work for Marlon Vera, he's got to make this a dirty fight. I'm going to be honest. He's got to make this a dirty fight. He's got to get in the face of Rob Font, get him in the clinch, work knees, work elbows. He's got to literally make it like the Song Yedong fight. If you remember that fight where Song Yedong won via decision and a lot of people thought that Marlon Vera should have got the nod, he's got to kind of make it that fight, get him in the clinch, get him in the either head and arm control in the clinch and land knees, elbows, you know, front kicks to the body to close the distance, fake the front kick, step around to the outside foot and get the head and arm control, switch to the tie plum, the over-under, work the body, work the elbows over the top, work the elbows up the middle. He's got to make this a dirty fight if he wants to compete with Font. I definitely think when it comes to the jiu-jitsu side, you have to give the advantage to Marlon Vera. He has multiple submissions on his record. He can hurt you on the feet and lock you in a submission before you even know what's good for you. We haven't seen a lot of his grappling in jiu-jitsu lately in his career because he's learned to stay on the feet, keep it on the feet, strike very well. He has that calf kick finish or ground and pound TKO finish, started off with calf kicks over Sugar Sean O'Malley. I know a lot of people don't like that win. For Marlon Vera, they think it was a cheap win. It was about as clean as a whistle, and I don't care what anybody says. And I would pick Marlon Vera over uh, Sean O'Malley if they were to fight again, and I'll stick by that. I actually have a breakdown of that fight up on my YouTube channel. I have a breakdown on Rob Font as well if you haven't checked any of those out. Definitely do yourself a favor and do so prior to this main event this weekend. But... I think that if Cheeto's going to win, he's got to make it a dogfight. He's got to get in his face. He's got to work those calf kicks, work those knees, work those front kicks. But you can't stay at range. Cheeto's got to either be all the way out or all the way in. If he stays at boxing range with Font, he's going to get pieced up and probably get finished. I know Vera, I don't think he's been finished in his career. But if anybody's going to knock out or finish Cheeto, I think it's probably going to be Rob with his clean technical boxing. Now, he didn't get finished by Jose Aldo. He didn't get stunned or wobbled by Aldo. And, you know, Rob Font did. So, if we're looking at common opponents, Jose Aldo rocked Rob Font multiple times. Font did a lot of damage to Aldo as well, but he hurt him. He dropped him. He had a close fight with Marlon Vera, probably lost the second round due to the pace and pressure, the forward pressure, constantly switching stances on angles. He would step over into Southpaw, left body kick, left high kick, switch back to Orthodox, one, two, pop the shot in, boom, boom, bop, left body kick inside and outside, low kicks, front kicks, you know, question mark kicks off the lead and rear leg. He likes to mix it up with his kicks, does Marlon Vera. I think the kicking game, I would give the advantage to Vera. The jiu-jitsu, I would give the advantage to Marlon Vera. But you have to look at Rob Font. His defensive jiu-jitsu and defensive wrestling is very good. He got up right away against Marlon Marais, snuck out of the guillotine, locked him in like kind of a... uh, Fireman's carry type of position, not exactly landed some knees to the body. Against Cody Garbrandt, he did get taken down multiple times, but he was able to get back up to his feet. He was able to get uh, the butterfly guard. He was able to use the uh, Kimura grip to get that in the shin on the inside of the thigh of Garbrandt, use that Kimura to sweep Garbrandt, get the top position, and get back up to his feet. He's very good with the Kimura sweeps. He's very good with sweeping from the butterfly guard, from the half guard. So if Marlon Vera gets on the top, I think that font is going to have a decent, you know, likelihood to use those sweeps, use a Kimura sweep, use a, you know, sweeps from the butterfly guard to get up to his feet. I can definitely see it. Um, I'm not going to go over stats, even though I know when it comes to main events, a lot of people like you to break down stats, but when it comes to the fight, I think it's close. I definitely do. I could see either guy winning here. If you look at the odds for the fight, you've got the main event is Rob Font at a minus 135 Marlon Vera at a plus 115 i think font should be a little bit of more of a heavy favorite i think maybe minus 200 minus 190 font back at like a plus 170 plus 175 for vera i think that's a little bit more likely when it comes to the uh the line for this fight, but I think they're judging that off of the Jose Aldo fight, but you got a man, man, Rob Font looked good there. He did get dropped. He did get hurt multiple times, but he still looked good. He still kept the pace up for 25 minutes. He still kept the pressure. I think that both of these guys can go 25 minutes, but I think with the jab of Rob Font, with the combinations, with the fakes and feints, I think if he starts putting those combinations together with the hands, starts putting together three, four punch combinations, the one, two, the jab, The jab is the key for Rob Font in this fight, just as it is for every fight. But I think the longer the fight goes, I think the pace can wear on Marlon Vera. I think that Rob Font can keep it up for 25 minutes. I mean, he was getting hurt bad against Aldo and still found a way to to survive. Still found a way to come back, get in the face of Aldo, land the combinations, work the body. Um, You know, Aldo used that straight right to the body very well as he would use those combinations on Vera He would go to lead, you know, pick up the lead leg and check the kick. And as he would do that one, two hook to the body, one, two, boom, straight right to the body, one jab, jab, right straight to the body. I think the body work for Font is going to be worked very, is going to work very well here against Vera. I think Vera is going to try to come back with that slick um, left uppercut and right hook from Southpaw or right uppercut left hook. If he switches Orthodox, both of these guys switch their stance. Both of these guys are very tricky. Um, Marlon likes to use that little front kick, the little oblique kick, the front leg stomp to the knee to keep the opponent at range and distance, and then use the jab, the right low kick, the inside and outside low kicks to keep them at the range that he wants to be. I think the awkward angles of the punches for Marlon Vera can definitely cause Rob Fon, who's so technical and so clean, some trouble. So I wouldn't be surprised if it does turn into a war, the longer the fight goes, but I think the fakes and feints, the footwork, the movement, and just the ability to have st- I think he just has such a big advantage when it comes to the boxing. And I think that's really going to keep him, you know, ahead in this fight. The jab, keeping uh, Marlon behind the jab. Marlon fights behind a high guard all the time. Jab, jab, right hand to the body. Jab, jab, right hook, left hook to the body. One, one, two, two to the body. Hook up top. One, two, three, straight right to the body. I think investing in the straights to the body. Then the hooks up top and the one, two is going to keep Marlon at range. It's going to keep him kind of hesitant throughout the 25 minutes. And I think we're going to get a 48 47 unanimous decision victory for Rob Font, the number five ranked Rob Font over Marlon Chito Vera, who's ranked eighth in the division. I would not be surprised if Marlon Vera finds a way to get this done. It's very close. But as I already explained, I mean, I have to lean Rob here. I think the jujitsu. Of Cheeto, if he hurts Rob on the feet, I could see him trying to snatch up that neck and get a quick submission. I definitely could see that as well, but I got to lean towards the New England cartels, Rob Font, and the number five ranked fighter in the division to defeat the number eight ranked Marlon, Cheeto Vera, via a 48 47 unanimous decision victory. All right, guys, that's going to be it for my podcast today. I hope you enjoyed my preview and predictions for UFC Vegas 53, Font versus Vera. The fight does take place this upcoming Saturday night from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. The predictions will be uploaded to YouTube very soon, probably tomorrow morning at the earliest. And uh, you can also find this podcast anywhere your audio podcasts are distributed. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Breaker, and many, many more. I'm your host, Double M, and I'm out. Have a good night, everybody.